Good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. My name is Carlos Sanchez, and I'm the editor of the Monitor newspaper in McAllen. On behalf of the Texas Tribune, I'm happy to welcome you to a panel called a Border Reality Check. We're scheduled to talk for about an hour, and for the last 15 minutes or so, uh, it will be reserved uh, for questions from the audience. And a reminder, the hashtag for this event is TTF. In the interest of time, I ask you to look at your programs for complete bios of the gentlemen here. And instead, I'd simply like to introduce them by name. Uh, McAllen Mayor Jim Darling, El Paso Mayor Oscar Lesser, Leeser? Leeser. Leeser, I'm sorry. Brownsville Mayor Tony Martinez, Laredo Mayor Pete Sines, and former Rio Grande City Mayor Ruben de Arial. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Mayor Darling, I'd like to begin with you and ask, um, in relation to the $800 million border security package, is that a blessing or a curse? Actually, uh, two things. It's a curse because of the publicity uh, with the National Guard and that it takes $800 million to protect the border and gives an impression that the border is unsafe, uh, which is not on the north side by any stretch of the imagination. So when we go to recruit industry, uh, when we recruit shoppers from northern Mexico or whatever we're doing from an economic development standpoint, it's really put a, a, a problem, uh, created a problem for us. For instance, we went to Korea this weekend with people from Tamaulipas and the city of Reynosa, and the first question they'll ask is, what about security in that area? And so uh, the border security issue with $800 million is bad from a publicity standpoint. It does have a positive standpoint, and there is some money in there, for instance, uh, an intelligence um, unit, at least for funding of um, infrastructure for that. And we're working with the governor to fund uh, not only that, but the building and personnel to, to fund that. And so as I always say, uh, it's coming to a neighborhood near you, and so we're the first line of defense from that. But, but overall, um, I would think the publicity probably outweighs a little bit more than the, uh, the benefits immediately. Mayor Sines, how about you? Blessing or curse? Well, I think I would yeah, echo or mirror the same sentiment. Uh, it's, it's really both. Uh, I appreciate the fact that the uh, governor is, is interested in the border, uh, uh, but it does bring this, this publicity, that uh, negative publicity, that, that to say that the border is not uh, safe. Uh, Laredo and all the entire border, frankly, is, is, is very safe compared to, and there's a plenty of, of, uh, of data that, that, that evidences uh, that. Uh, uh, so it's, it's more on the Mexican side, frankly, uh, uh, and it's spotted as well. And Laredo now, the Laredo area is, is a lot safer than, than, than maybe the, uh, you know, the lower uh, valley area on the Mexican side. But, it, but they take turns every so often. Uh, but it's, it's, it's both. The uh, Texas border is safe, and I want to conclusively state that, that uh, you know, people wanting to visit the border, please come. It is you know, truly safe. Mayor Lisa, do you think this money would have been better spent on other border issues? You know, and that's exactly where I was going to lead to on the question was that, uh, you know, one of the biggest things is uh, trade that comes through our borders. And it's really important that we make it, we make it real easy to be able to do trade. So if we have that kind of money, I, I really believe that we need to spend it on uh, agents to go on the bridges and kind of expedite the, the crossings as they're coming across, you know, just through El Paso alone, we have uh, 90 to $100 billion worth of trade coming across every year. And uh, the city of El Paso went ahead and through a P3 project, we're one of five that have been able to do that. We're actually funding overtime for agents to be able to open up the bridges, to be able to expedite. So if uh, we have that kind of money and we're looking at uh, actually opening up the, the bridges, this would be a great place to spend it to continue to make it uh, a lot easier to, to keep the trade coming across the border. Mayor Villarreal, do you think that the issue of trade is subservient to the issue of, of, uh, of fear, basically, from uh, what's been going on in, in Mexico? Uh, not at all. Let, let me tell you that, that it's a blessing. I, I know the 800, 000, $800 i I'm sorry. It sounds like a big number, but it was necessary. Our boards are very porous. The responsibility of the borders actually belong to the federal government because they've been uh, derelict in their duties to do so. Texas stepped up in a big, bold way and provided that. And as far as economies go, I, I'm a small business person uh, along the border. I have the utmost respect for any border people that have businesses because the border economies are resilient. We've survived numerous peso devaluations. We've survived the recession. We've survived 911. 
We've survived tropical storms. We've survived hurricanes. And one thing I will tell you that the vibrancy of the border and the vibrancy of business along the border has never been better. And I think as we go forward, you're going to see much more of that. Mayor Martinez, the politics of securing $800 million is, is great politics at the state level. But does it come at the expense of, of uh, cities like your own? Well, I, you know, you have to kind of understand that it is what it is. So therefore, I think uh, the most practical approach is to how do you figure out how do you use that $800 million to your advantage? And I think from our standpoint is we all know that the border is secure. I think every mayor that's sitting here knows that it's a, it's a good thing. I don't care whether you're from Rio Grande City or from McAllen or Laredo or El Paso. So we all understand it. I think we just have to deal with realities. Now, how do we use that $800 million to do it from an economic standpoint, to really do it to your advantage? And how do you do it so it's used more as an economic and a trade situation than it is a security situation? You just got to be smarter, I think, than trying to try to fight everything that you're, that's coming across the table. Mayor Darling, you're very sensitive to perceptions uh, from my experience in, in covering you. How do border cities combat the image of rapists and bad people overrunning our border? Well, we're doing that right now. We, we um, just recently, an article came out of Great Britain of people hearing gunshots every night when they're going to bed. So we went to Reynosa, met with the mayor, brought newspaper people over there and said, hey, it's safe here. Um, you have to be careful whether you're in Washington, D.C. or Chicago or many, many cities in the United States. You have to be careful where you go at night. And that's no different in Mexico. And unfortunately, the publicity that they get down there is a problem. So we're, um, I drove a fire truck into Reynosa to show it was safe and gave them it uh, about a year ago. But we need to have more, more understanding of what goes on in the law enforcement effort that the Republic of Mexico is putting in those areas and, um, and show them it's safe. Uh, Maquilador managers, for instance, we have over 2,000 Maquilador managers that go to Mexico every day to work and getting them to talk about safety procedures and what they do and it's safe for them to go there is very important. Mayor Sines, what about uh, from your neck of the woods? Do you have a problem combating image? Is it something that is a, a constant challenge for you? Yeah, from all the border cities, I think we've had the most uh, uh, image type uh, since uh, the newspapers reflect. The Laredo at, at some point was very dangerous and this and that, so it correlates very easily to the name Laredo. So uh, we have, and, and, and people do ask, I leave Laredo, and, and, and people ask, is Laredo safe? And that's usually the first or second question that I'm confronted with. And, and, and I want to assure Laredo is very safe, the entire border is safe. And by the mere fact that you're allowing us, you know, to, for me to speak these words in front of this, this audience is, is, is good, <laughs> because we want Texas, the entire U.S., and the world to know that the border area is, is completely safe. And it's, and it's crucial also for, uh, for trade, uh, but we'll get into that, I guess. You'll have other questions on trade and, and commerce. Mayor Leeser, how do you coexist with the notion that uh, a city like Ciudad Juarez uh, has, has gone through the, the massive problems that it has in terms of homicides? Well, we started working together, and it's one of the things that uh, the Mayor Juarez and I have actually worked together as one. And, and once we, we started working as a region, it really made a big difference. And Mayor Waters, Mayor Enrique Sedano, who uh, has worked with, uh, him and I have worked together. We actually traveled to Detroit, we've traveled to Chicago, and we've actually gone to companies to do business within the two cities. And our message is, you know, what do you know about El Paso? What do you know about Waters? And a lot of the times they know is what they read, what they Google, what seen. So, and, and it's really the furthest thing from what's happening today. So our job is to go out there and talk to them together as one. And they've never had, in, uh, I've had companies in the 30 years we've been in business, the 20, 25 years we've been in business, we've actually never had the two mayors come out to us and talk to us about what's going on. And uh, we address the issues they may have. We, we actually meet all issues head on as we go out there and talk. And uh, we'll continue to travel together and continue to see the El Paso being the safest city in, in the, one of the safest cities in the country, over 500,000, and, and what is really becoming a, a very safe city, it's important that we continue to go out and uh, promote as one. Mayor Villarreal, how do you pivot from the issue of security to the issue of economics and the economic benefit that Mexico brings? Let me make it real clear that, that border security is uh, an ongoing effort, an ongoing challenge. But let's not lose sight of the fact that we have some of the most wonderful law enforcement officers at the local as PD officers and sheriff's officers. 
we have Border Patrol agents, we have Texas uh, DPS troopers, all working in coordination with communities. I, I was very blessed to, to uh, be able to say that when we were going through the immigration crisis, I had communication with the highest levels of each organization within law enforcement, and they were working with us, not against us. And to combat this idea of, of the, the border being unsafe, what you have to do is communicate, because in, to some extent, Mr. Sanchez, this is a creation of media, no offense to media, and social media mm -hmm. creates uh, this image that is not just and it's not true. And that's why when you listen to people here say it over and over again that we're safe, we're not only safe, we're extraordinarily safe. And I think everybody who will agree, but it's a testament to the leadership of the border communities. It's also a testament to the law enforcement officers who are out there at all levels making sure we're safe. Now, is it an image problem when you're driving, for example, from McAllen to, to Rio Grande City, uh, when you see a DPS trooper every mile along the way? Uh, that seems to be a problematic per perception. The, the situation along the border, we all know, has, has been a constant situation of high surveillance. The border has been under watch for, for many, many, many decades at different levels. For example, the National Guard that came in in 2014, but people don't realize that they were there in 2012, doing exactly the same thing, looking upon the horizon, reporting to the necessary law enforcement officers who were in charge of, of the operation, and they did that extraordinarily well because so few people found out about it. Even during 2014, when they were there, their duty was along the river in areas of high trafficking of drugs and human trafficking, and their job was to make sure the community was safe, but they stayed as far back away from the community as possible to preserve the integrity of the goodness of communities in Texas. And that's how you, you combat that, by making sure that, that you have the law enforcement working in conjunction with communities to find a, a good solution to this problem. Mayor Darling, Mayor Martinez, uh, do you feel safer because of the presence of the National Guard in your community? Well, here's, here's the issue. It really, nothing changed as relates to border security two years ago. What ha the number of apprehensions of adults coming across the border never changed. In fact, it decreased significantly. What happened is you had unaccompanied children and families, and that became a border crisis that all of a sudden the border was free, but the, those people weren't going across the border, swimming across the river. They were crossing a bridge saying, I'm here to seek asylum. What they needed instead of $800 million for law enforcement was social workers to handle the families and unaccompanied children. And all of a sudden the press took that into being some sort of huge border crisis. The crisis is in South America and Central America and Mexico where economic and violence and trafficking have forced people to flee. But from a standpoint of illegal people coming across the river, those numbers hadn't changed. The, this whole border crisis issue, when you ask me about have it changed, nothing's changed from our standpoint except we had 25,000 people uh, family members cross into our bus station that needed aid going up to have their asylum hearings. And so, you, you know, when you talk about the border security and, and the crisis, there was no crisis at standpoint border security. That's just been a figment of the news people and makes good print and well, good, yeah, politi and good politics, and good politics, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I'm not afraid. <laughs> Nothing's changed. It's kind, of, it's kind of been very frustrating for us to deal with that because if you're down there, what's, what has changed is we've had people at our bus station that need aid, and we gave them that. Uh, the, 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 the big difference, and, and, and the mayor is absolutely correct, I mean, we know each other quite well, but the difference was the type of immigrant. They came from Central America this time. We were used to the Mexican immigrant who came with the same habits, the same techniques, the same uh, catch me now, you'll, I'll go back there and I'll find some way to come back in. The Central American immigrant, when he came across, was more desperate, was more determined, threw themselves into more danger, more peril continuously. I was personally witness at five o'clock on a Friday on a busy traffic street in Rio Grande City, coming out of my place of business. We were caught in the middle of a group of about 10 uh, Central Americans who ran right through us. And the DPS troopers were following them and our police officers were following them, not as much to apprehend them, but to keep them safe, to make sure that they stopped endangering their lives. So, it's very important to remember that the, the crisis that we talk about was created also because they came from Central America and there were children involved. Nobody was equipped. Nobody had infrastructure to handle children ever. I actually have pictures and I didn't, I don't know why I snapped the pictures. I thought, you know, maybe it'll happen again. But now I look back and it was very real, the fact that there were children and that they came from another, a different place other than Mexico. They're OTMs. Mayor Martinez, is it time for the National Guard to vacate the valley? Uh, I think they probably should never have been there to begin with, okay? 
Um, the, uh, the whole idea here is if we don't really address the true problem, and that is we're all a human family that needs to be taken care of each other. Now the Central American, when we talk about the different customs or the different reasons of why they came, uh, we have to understand that really we had a nice forum over there with, with this mayor, uh, Darling, and, and when they're talking about nobody really wants to, to come over here illegally. Nobody really wants to immigrate from their country. There's only two reasons why they do it, either safety or for economic reasons. It's no different than what you have going in Syria. It's no different what you have going across the nation and the world. So, you know, if we try to understand what's going on in the dynamics, and again, you know, fear sells papers, and I understand that that's, there's an you know, economic, you know, reason for that. But the truth of the matter is we have to get to the core of the matter and we have to understand why they're fleeing and how do we address those issues as opposed to just talking about fear. Mayor Leeser, fear does sell papers, I concede that, uh, but it also elects politicians. To what extent is that a problem at the state and national level? Well, I'm not sure what you mean by elects politicians because we need to go out and really educate people around the country, you know, what, uh, and one of the things like we're talking about in, in Juarez and in El Paso, you know, people want to go back to Juarez. They want to go back to the country they love. They want to be able, just like Mayor Martinez said, they want to be able to make a living in their country. So how do we work together to help them? Uh, right now, the biggest problem we have in Juarez is that there's a shortage of, uh, of uh, workers as they continue to grow the as they continue to work uh, jobs. So people want to go to their country. They want to be in the country. So we got to work together as, one unit to educate and help each other grow. So I'm not sure I understand the question that uh, fear elects politicians because doing the right thing would not be fear. Doing the right thing is to create a better world for us to live in, and that's what we need to do. Mayor Martinez, I'd like to pivot a little bit. Um, a few weeks ago, you were one of several mayors on both sides of the border who signed an agreement forming what's called the Binational Economic Development Zone. Can you explain what that is and what its significance is? Well, I think, again, going back to what everybody stated is that we are one region, and just because we have a river that runs through it doesn't mean that we're two separate entities. And so the whole idea between the binational agreement is that we understand where Mexico is, we understand the security problems that they have, we don't feel we have the same problems, but how do we assist them and how do we help them? We have a highway coming from Mazatlan to Matamoros, which has got actually their breadbasket. So now how do, we, how do we reach out to them and make them also profit-oriented as well as this side of the border? I don't think you can isolate. This is what I'm talking about when you're talking about the global economy. You can't let borders get in the way of, you know, progress. And that's the whole idea be, be behind the binational agreement. And I hope that it extends and it's a model for the rest of the border to keep going up. I know we've had a lot of interest from Laredo and El Paso. Uh, as to how we're doing this, you know, the whole idea was to go all the way from Brownsville to San Diego. So that's, that's the whole idea. We have to understand that Mexico is a great trading partner for us. It's a big trading partner for us. Texas knows this more than anybody else, and this is why I'm glad that we're having this discussion and this conversation. But I think that once we get that education, as the mayor said over there, once we educate the folks, well, come down and visit us, come down and see what we got, we got a great thing going. I mean, you know, in, in my part of the country, we got SpaceX coming. Uh, I, think, I think we're gonna go reach for the stars and we're gonna see the stars. So um, I think that's the message that needs to be gotten across. We have to have a conversation, but we have to have action. And you gotta come see what we're doing. Mayor Sines, expanding on this notion of Binet is, um, someone drew the comparison uh, of having the mayor of Austin try to sell this city without giving any kind of uh, data or, or interest uh, south of the Colorado River. Is that the challenge that you all face? Well, we do, uh, presenting data. You know, Laredo alone, uh, Laredo alone with the four bridges and, and one rail bridge, we do $200 billion worth of trade with Mexico. It's huge, it's the number one land port in the entire U.S.-Mexico border run. So it's, it's incumbent upon us to, uh, you know, to spread the message uh, Laredo's open for business, Laredo's open for business. We work very closely uh, with our Mexican counterparts. Uh, you know, we need to see Mexico in the light, in, in a higher light. Uh, granted, the immigration issue is huge, it's big, our border needs to be secured, and of course we need comprehensive immigration, and I think all of us would, would agree to that. But beyond that issue, 
Mexico is our second, third largest trading partner. Uh, you know, we need Mexico. We're tied to the hip. So it's, it's, it's an evolution. We need to be careful as to what we say and, and what we uh, present to the world. Uh, uh, especially now, I know it's the political season and it's and it's and it's up for grabs. Uh, but we know the border. You know, we live the border. We we breathe the border. Uh, so uh, Mexico is huge for us. Uh, Mexico, from my standpoint, what I've seen, what I the people I visited with, has huge potential. We have the energy potential. We have the uh, maquiladora. I think 75% of all maquiladoras are situated in in Mexico. And of course, I'm talking to uh, an area that <laughs> has has plenty of maquiladoras in all as well on, on the other side. Uh, so anyway, it's, yes, we need to sell it. And, and, and again, I thank you for the forum, for the opportunity of spreading the word. Uh, uh, the border area should be looked at as a regional area, global area. We have so many assets, so much capacity there uh, that, uh, that, that people don't, you know, they just don't understand, they just don't see that, but it's our job to sell that and make it known to, to everyone. I think we forget a little bit of uh, when we talk about, and I think Mayor Science said it, uh, you know, how much trade comes across the, his area, how much trade comes across the, the water area, but it's not for El Paso. It's for the whole United States, and it creates and it depends on millions and millions of jobs across the U.S., and, and trade is not just for, for the local area. It, it really, it's important that we continue to keep the even flow, but not for just our area but for the economy and jobs of the whole United States. And that's the important part that we can't lose focus on. Now, there's a movement afoot um, with larger cities, one that comes to mind, Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, to begin the process of, of uh, classifying combined MSAs. Um, I'm wondering to what extent there's value in an international combined MSA. And I'm wondering if you all could address that issue. Mayor Darling. We've already looked at that. Uh, between, you know, in the valley, there's 1.2 million people in between Cameron and Hidalgo County. When you add Mexico in, it's over 3 million people. And because we have tens of thousands of people come across our river every day doing trade, uh, we have maquiladoras. We're the largest sales tax per capita in the state of Texas. We give more money in the state of Texas per capita than anybody because of Mexican trade. And it just makes sense when we go to sell something up north from an economic development standpoint, if we show those numbers as a combined MSA, it's so much stronger uh, to tell our story really than otherwise. And you know, when we talk as mayors, there's a little skeptical because we're proud of our cities, but when you have MSA figures that are there and documented figures, I think it makes much more sense um, to do that. What do you think is the value of that? Uh, that's the future. I was being able to work internationally with Mexico and with other countries for that matter is the future. We had NAFTA many years ago that opened up borders and opened up our minds to new opportunities uh, in agriculture, in manufacturing, in all sorts of fields. If we want to look to the future for Texas and for this nation, now I, I will tell you that Mexico is Texas's number one trading partner and this country's number three trading partner. That says an awful lot. So we want to open new avenues to the future. We have to go into Mexico and make sure that we erase the borders that exist and instead replace it with no borders for business. Whatever benefits the business trade of, of this nation and, and this continent benefits everybody that lives in this, in this country. So we got to look past the, the natural borders that exist, but business is so large and expanding. And in the future, you'll see a more vibrant Texas and a more vibrant Rio Grande Valley for sure. Mayor Lisa, my uh, newspaper uh, went on the tour that uh, Mayor Darling had indicated earlier of Reynosa recently and got wonderful insight into the city of Reynosa. And as they were returning uh, to the United States, it took them three hours to cross the border. How do you uh, balance the issue of this trade flow, an increased potential trade flow, with the issue of security? How do you prevent three-hour waits? Uh, and, and I kind of addressed it a little bit when, with my first answer, and it's the private-public partnership between the city. And what we do, the city actually pays for overtime agents for the peak times. And as we, and it's really a moving number, a moving target for us as the, the Christmas season or any type of holiday comes around, we have to continue to keep shifting and then determine where that starting point is to see the gauge how long it's taken. One thing we've noticed since we did the partnership with, um, with the CBP, that uh, times have decreased a little bit, but the traffic has increased a lot. And uh, if you had a lot of 
traffic increase, you would have had a lot of time increase, but that didn't happen for us. So we had a slight decrease in time, but again, and now we're, we, we met, I just met two, three weeks ago with the mayor Wattis, and he said, you know, it's important, how do we turn around and um, we're having a little bit of issue with trucks hidden because, you know, ROI and any company that looks around to reinvest and, and come into our areas return on investment. So how do we turn around and make sure they can keep moving their, their merchandise? So we've been talking about extending hours. One, one of the things that, uh, and we got CBP to agree, and you know, they opened at six o'clock, they've agreed to start opening at 4 a.m. when there is no traffic as they're going through the cities to be able to come through and, and move the goods through. So we're looking at expanding the hours starting at 4 a.m. and, and uh, adding two hours to the commercial traffic so that can, uh, and like I said, and it's even better than you would think because there is no traffic during the city as they're coming through. And we've also done another thing that's been very important, worked with the, with uh, Mexico as, to, as they, they bring their empties. We have 2,500 empties come across every, um, every day and the empties have to be x-rayed coming through. Well, we worked with Mexico, we worked with the ambassador in, in Washington and, and got the approval to build a second x-ray machine at one of our ports of entries that will cut time in half now as they come through. Again, return on investment is the most important thing. That second x-ray facility will be opened uh, in November, so we're very excited. So we're looking at ways to, to continue to have private and public investment within the city and the, and the people that uh, are trying to continue to do business within our community. Mayor Sines, I think it's, it's very clear that the economic ties that exist on both sides of the border are, are, are very tight. Do you think the rest of the state and even the country recognizes uh, to what extent these economic ties exist? Not to the extent that I would want them to, to recognize them. Uh, uh, the border area, the Laredo area, uh, all the border cities, I think the state and, and the U.S. Uh, should should see it as what value does the border area bring to the rest of the state and what value does a, a, a great you know, port area bring to the United States. Uh, and of course we bring a lot of value. Uh, uh, six million jobs that depend on, on border trade. Uh, uh, the the U.S.-Mexico economy is, is over $500 billion worth of trade, 550 I believe. Uh, and, and it comes through our borders, uh, uh, and, uh, and, and that's essential. I mean, that's, that's, that's something, and it creates all sorts of jobs. And going back to you know, the issue of, of security, after 911, you know, things change, and we, we all recognize that. So we've got to balance security versus trade and commerce and jobs and, and, and economic development. And, and I praise the CBP. Uh, could things be done better? Absolutely. Uh, you, know, they, you know, they can. Uh, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to work on infrastructure, fluidity. We want that, those commercial trucks moving uh, uh, commerce and trade and business uh, through our borders as, as, as soon as possible because we know that there's, you know, someone in, in Montana or, or St. Louis or, or somewhere else, you know, depending on that merchandise to get there so they can, you know, place it somewhere else so they can, you know, make their own business and make their own living. Uh, so it, we're all in, interdependent. Uh, so, yes, uh, we... We, it's, we have to find that balance and we have to become more efficient, especially us in the border areas for crossing uh, uh, merchandise. Mayor Darling, um, I want to expand a little bit about your, your comment on 9-11 because uh, understandably this country hunkered down after 9-11. Uh, while Mexico did something quite different and uh, I came across a fact last week that was startling to me. The United States has free trade agreements with 20 different countries around the world. Mexico has free trade agreements with 44 different countries around the world. What are the implications of that for communities like yours? Well, it shows how progressive Mexico is in relationship to trade. You know, one, one of the things I want to point out is we, our goal down here is a safe border, not a closed border. And the thing I want to point out is manufacturing, Reynosa is a small motor capital of the world. You can't build a car in the United States without the parts being delivered to that plant in the United States from Mexico. And we, when people come down from Michigan, I always tell them that, and they look at me like I'm some crazy person who says that. And that, those are federal legislatures that do not realize the importance of Mexico to, that, to them. But it's, you know, if you go to Korea, I've been to, I mentioned Korea because it's kind of like this, this country on steroids on technology. But if you look at that in the Pacific Trade Agreement, I mean, it's a worldwide deal. It's, it's, 
you just can't be that restrictive. And I know that's a political probably question more than a real economic question. We're not really dealing from an economic standpoint, but Mexico gets it. Um, we have a Japanese Chamber of Commerce in the city of McAllen because Panasonic, Alpine, Sony are all located there because of that trade agreement between Mexico and Japan. And as they expand those trade agreements, there's going to be more pressure. There's going to have to be more ships, things getting shipped over here from Mexico instead of being manufactured here, and we just need to get on board. And Martinez, what are your views on, on the significance of what's going on in Mexico, particularly as it relates to uh, energy and, and uh, all that's going on there now? Well, you know, I, I think now with the liquid natural gas and the things that we're, we have presidential permits in Brownsville to, to go ahead and pipe some of that stuff into Mexico. And Mexico needs the energy that we have to provide. So I, I think the, the thrust of our conversation here has to be that not only uh, does the world need to, to know, we have to have a better messaging uh, from our standpoint to let everybody know what's going on and why the border is so important. But I think we also have, I think a, a good example of what I'm talking about is uh, we just finished doing the first train rail uh, in from, from Mexico to the United States in over 100 years. And of course, Laredo, I've been talking to the mayor of Laredo, and they're likewise trying to, to improvise and trying to get something going. But we've cut down the, the, the amount of time to cross by over three hours from Monterrey to Brownsville by having that new West Rail. But one of the most important parts about that, in that particular project was that we have an agreement with Mexico that we will take their x-ray machines and use their images and they will take ours and we will compare them. In other words, so now once you have the cooperation of the two countries, this is the first that's ever happened uh, between Mexico and the United States. But it's one great example of how we can coordinate our efforts and for security purposes and economic purposes we can make those two things work together to everybody's advantage. Hey, darling, you've done something similar, and it's providing U.S. or, or funds from McAllen for infrastructure in Mexico. Well, you know, the irony here is you're hearing mayors and cities negotiating in Mexico, dealing with Mexico federal government, state government, to increase and better trade with the United States. You don't hear any state involvement in that. You don't hear very little federal involvement in that. In fact, that's one of the barriers, is dealing with the state and federal government on this side. And actually, the Mexican federal government, from a standpoint, are there. So yeah, we, you know, it's it's we're paying money. The city of El Paso and Laredo, McAllen, Brownsville, pay money for federal inspectors in order to get trade across that bridge. Uh, doesn't sound right to me. It doesn't seem that it's good for economic uh, development in the United States, but. That's what it does, and it takes um, individual cities, because we own bridges and our partners in bridges, to do that negotiation to make sure that we enhance um, trade, to make things cheaper in the United States for people to buy things and all those, that kind of um, Mayor Sainz, talking about barriers, uh, a significant barrier is just pure xenophobia. It's a very popular political position to take in the United States at the state and federal level. How do you combat this notion of xenophobia? Well, it's, it's again uh, speaking uh, out and, uh, and uh, people realizing what truly goes, goes there at the border area. Uh, keep in mind, too, that you know, going back to the efficiency, time is money. Uh, I'd heard a, a statistic that one minute delay at the border uh, causes $166 billion worth of law some way uh, uh, throughout the U.S. And, and, that's, and that's huge. Uh, uh, you know, the key now is, is preclearance. You know, we've done it at the airport. We have an airport. There in Laredo, and I think it's the first uh, in the U.S. where we have uh, joint uh, the aduana and, and the customs. Yeah, any airplane with cargo landing in Laredo, you know, once it's inspected there, can you know can land anywhere in Mexico, and that expedites uh, a trade. Uh, the same thing with our trains. Uh, you know, Brownsville has done it. We're we're mirroring, you know, frankly that it's a secured corridor type where it's pre-cleared at the rail yards, where the train doesn't have to stop at the middle of the bridge create a traffic congestion on both sides, uh, and, and we're trying to eliminate that. And, but of course, it takes uh, federal uh, cooperation, which, which we are getting, uh, but it takes a lot of communication. But they've done it, so you know, obviously we can do it as well there in Laredo, and, uh, and hopefully the, the entire border can be that. It's all about expediting, uh, making our crossings more efficient. Then. Mayor Lisa, another fact that I came across that was very interesting, it's projected by 2020, just five years away, uh, Mexico's economy will enter the top 10 economies of the world. And by 2050, 
uh, it will be projected that Mexico's economy is the top five in the world. And so my question to you is, um, do you think the economic power of Mexico and the growth potential of Mexico will ever overshadow the fear of drug cartels and all that's happening in terms of violence in Mexico? Well, let me tell you one thing. First of all, hope to be here in 2050 to <laughs> be able to see what I tell you comes through, but um, that's the important part so you're of this. For re that, that's, that's the important part. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as uh, the economy grows and uh, and business continues to grow, it uh, it, it really is what, what will make the big difference in Mexico and any country. So I think in uh, 2020, and, and as it continues to grow, I think it will make a huge, huge difference at, uh, in staying, making sure that uh, we continue to share technology and learn from each other and continue to grow is very important. Mayor Villarreal, I mean, along those lines, we were talking earlier, uh, and the big popular mask for Halloween in Mexico is El Chapo mask. <laughs> at, at what point can you make the economy and economic prowess more sexy than, than crime and violence? Uh, by government getting involved and working towards uh, goals that benefit international trade. Uh, Mayor Lesser mentioned right now uh, the, and so did uh, Mayor Darling, I think Mr. Martinez did also, that the ability for cities to be able to pay for overtime needed to be legislated. It was legislation, uh, and I'm very pleased, and I know Congress it has a reputation for being dysfunctional and maybe it, it's deserving to some extent, but in this case, they did something successful. John Cornyn and Henry Cuellar, Cuellar Mr. Cuellar, Congressman Cuellar is a Democrat, John Cornyn is a Republican. I attended some of those meetings where they combined efforts and they worked with local officials and state officials and federal officials to uh, be able to create that legislation. It was bipartisan, and it was great to see. I was a part of it, I attended several meetings, and to be able to see that, that camaraderie and that understanding that, again, it's not a red issue, it's not a bl blue issue, it's a red, white, and blue issue. When it comes down to business, we gotta focus more on red, white, and blue issues and make sure that one aisle and the other side of the aisle finds a middle ground where they can both work, work together and the uh, private and, and the public partnership that was created is a great example of how important government is and how they have to step up to the plate to do more of that. And Martinez, let's deal with the issue of self-perception. It's the notion that people along the border who have historically been ignored by state and federal governments uh, kind of view themselves as undeserving in many respects. And uh, one example recently uh, it was announced that McAllen made it to the finals in terms of, of a, being a contender for a, pre, a presidential debate next year, didn't quite reach it. When we ran that story in the newspaper, there was a lot of comment, commenting from the community saying, well, we didn't deserve it. How do you combat that, that, that self-effacement that, that exists? Well, you know, I have this uh, feeling that success breeds success. And so once you have the ball rolling, and once you get momentum going, you can get away from that. I mean, I, I think one of the things that you asked about with regards to the economics of whether when you become a great economic power like Mexico is going towards, what happens when it's uh, the cartels? Well, you, you have a good example in Colombia when you had Pablo Escobar like you had El Chapo, and Colombia now is, is really well doing well in the global economy. Doesn't mean that their whole cartels are extinguished, because there is a certain portion of the country that everybody knows that still has some of that trade, but you overshadow it, okay? And so again, you know, they started this, um, like in Medellin, uh, they have a slogan that says, Medellin por vida, in other words, for life. But it's also a, a, a kind of a play on words, is that if you wanna have a good life, you go to Medellin. And I think when you go talk about the valley, if you talk about having a good life, you can talk about having a great life along the border, but you have to feel good about yourself. This undeserving stuff has no merit whatsoever. But that self-esteem has to be brought up to the level of saying, yes, I am worthy, and not only I am worthy, I can even do better. And that's the whole idea that I think, I know, I know all these gentlemen here, and all of our feelings along the border, and all the mayors that I know along the border, have that distinct idea that we can be much better than we are, 
and we're getting there and we're going in a good direction. So that undeserving stuff, I'm sorry that some of the folks feel that way, but that's not probably not the reason why you didn't get a presidential debate going in McAllen. There's a lot of different factors. And so we have to be kind of you know, cognizant of all that. There's a lot of economic factors. There's a whole lot of things that we take a look at the perception as to our voting abilities. Our, do, we, do we go out to the polls? And I think those are the things that we have to work on as well as messaging to, that's our challenge, that's our opportunity to really get out into the world and say, yes, not only are we deserving, we're really good. I mean, we are the capital of the chess, the chess game is a great example. You know, Brownsville's got the, we're the capital of the chess. And then we have young kids and it's going to McAllen, it's going to Harlingen, it's going everywhere. And there's a movie out there called The End Game it only shows you just a little bit of how, what it takes to succeed. So, Mayor Darling, is that self-esteem also combated by demanding a seat at the table at the state and federal level? Yeah, first of all, I say if we ever win a football game north of Alice, we'll probably get more <laughs> self-esteem. <laughs> but we can't do that. But I forgot your question. <laughs> but it, Should it, we demand a seat at the table? Absolutely. You know, it, we're uh, our county. We're the uh, seventh largest county in the state of Texas. People don't know that. Um, uh, combined, we're, we move up to the fifth largest population right. in the state of Texas. Um, we're important economically. I think um, you know we um, uh, we have we have the biggest agricultural uh, production in the state of Texas, and with Mexico, it's even greater. Feeds a lot of the United States, and so I think it's a, it's right that we demand that. And I talked to my counterparts in the Mexican consulate office. They have the same problems in Mexico City with the border. It's just, I don't know why, we're at the end of the line, I guess, in those countries. Uh, Text.maps maps end at the Texas border. Uh, when there's thousands and thousands of cars and trucks each day go across Mexico, they don't think about that. TCQ maps end at the river. 80% of our watershed is in Mexico. And so going to Texas and saying, the state of Texas, you need to understand the border, and the border doesn't end at the river. And you need to understand that you, we need help when going to Mexico with the state of Texas. I think we're seeing more than we ever seen before. But you're right. We need to go up and when we go to uh, when, when we go out there, we go with our hand like this. We need to go up and make demands and say we're important and we need you to pay attention to us. Mayor Lisa, 20 years ago, El Paso made a name for itself by convening a court of inquiry and uh, bringing in subpoenaing <coughs> state officials and demanding to know why. Uh, state services were not up to par on along the borders. Is something like that necessary at this point? You know, is it necessary? I don't think it's necessary. You know, uh, it's uh, one of the things that uh, we'll continue to, to monitor what, what we're doing, but uh, I wouldn't see that, it, that it's necessary at this point. So you're not going to help us sell papers? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, um, you know, the court of inquiry, that's kind of like the star chamber. Yeah. I, I think we've done it once in Cameron County as well. Uh, and it does sell you a lot of papers, by the way. Well, thank you. At this point, I'd like to take uh, questions from the audience and invite anybody who has a question. There's two microphones up there. Uh, just uh, please, uh, and please avoid the temptation to give speeches and, and uh, please and ask questions. <laughs> Go ahead, sir. Uh, my name is Humberto Vela. I grew up in Laredo. I know many of your signs well. Along the border, corruption is a fact. Do you believe that the corruption is trending up or down in both municipal, county, state, and federal government? And do you have budget allocations to combat that, or is that left to the state and federal government? I'll let whoever wants to take that. You know what? I think one of the things you need to realize is large amount of monies cause corruption. You have to look at the Attorney General's office in the state of Texas. Large amount of money causes corruption. We have large amount of monies coming across with drug transactions. It's coming to a neighborhood near you. And that's all I could tell you because if you have large amount of money and possibility to get that, you're going to have corruption. And I think we get unjustly accused of corruption in the Valley. We have corruptions. Our last two out of three sheriffs were in jail. But that's because of things that are influenced because of, because of that. And I don't think we have, maybe get more publicity for it, but I don't think we have any more than any, any other area of the country. And, I, and if I could, you know, again, Jim is totally right in the sense of it's, it's, it's pretty widespread. But that doesn't mean that we don't need to address it. And is it on the upward spiral? I don't think so. I think what happens is you're going to see that at this particular point, we all are acutely aware of that and that we're very sensitive to it. So when, when something comes across our table, I know in my, in my instance, 
I truly call out on the Texas Rangers and the FBI and say, I want you to come down here and take a look at the situation because until we completely, and we'll never completely eliminate it, but until we truly address it and people do get scared that they will get caught in doing those kind of things, that will never stop. But I think it's, 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 a, it's a thing that needs to be talked about. I don't think we can just sweep it under the, under the carpet. On this side of the Hi. Um, I started college in 2008, and it was before um, UTRGV was kind of um, um, made. And I have a lot of friends from the Valley, and they have this stigma against it. A lot of the people that I know that came to Austin um, from Brownsville, Edinburgh, McAllen say, I don't want to go back. So what are you guys doing to kind of incentivize people that have degrees to go back to the Valley and build their lives over there? I'm going to answer that because I'm actually an alum. I graduated UT, UTPA. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm very proud of that fact. In fact, anything you see, anything you see me say or do or, or respond to is because of my education in that facility. I, I want to say that the trend sometimes, what you're talking about, negativity, it's existed in this world forever. I think the new platform that it has now is social media. Social media does a lot to kind of fester and to make that kind of bubble up to the top. But I want to tell you that, that from my standpoint, uh, I'm very proud of the Rio Grande Valley. And I encourage young people to not look at, I want to go back to the Rio Grande Valley or I want to go back to Austin. Go where the opportunity is. If you're an engineer, go where engineers are being hired. If you're into rockets, go to SpaceX in, in Brownsville. Find that opportunity. But don't, don't believe everything you read, everything you hear. And definitely don't believe anything that you hear negative on, on, on Facebook or Twitter because the conversations that I've had with young people have been challenging the system and not as much doubting the system. So I will take at face value what people tell me, not what I read in, in social media. Hey, darling. Well, in fact, this week, the statistics came out from the Census Bureau saying that we were the number three area in the whole country for increase of uh, jobs that pay more than $100,000. More than Austin, by the way, I might point out. Uh, we're number three uh, in the country. And so I think that's a reflection of the new university, um, healthcare being uh, growing in our area and those kind of things. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for that. Yes, like every other mayor, yeah, our goal is, to, is economic development, job creation, meaningful jobs that would pay a you know, healthy living. And of course, quality of life issues too. And, and they're in Laredo, we're, we're moving along those lines. You know, and it's, and it's important that uh, we work with our universities as we go out and recruit companies to come to El Paso. It's important that we go work with the university and find out what type of, uh, of uh, workforce they're looking for, engineers, doctors, uh, anything they're looking for to, to try to create that type of uh, graduates and the companies will come to El Paso, our youth will stay. And it's really important, and to your point, it's very important that uh, the youth stays within our community because the youth is the future of the growth of our city. So we've been working really hard with, with the community college, our colleges, and really you even start in your high school and grade level to see what type of companies are gonna come to El Paso so we can have that type of graduate. Yeah, and, and I tell you what, you speak the truth. There is a lot of that particular prevailing attitude but I think what happens is you're seeing a whole lot of change uh, with this new university, with SpaceX, with a lot of different job opportunities, which is what, our, what we're supposed to be doing. And I think I'd like to invite all your friends who are talking like that to give us a chance to come and, and see what we have. I mean, in my, in, in my part of the world, and I think he's an avid cyclist, okay? So uh, bike and hike trails, quality of life that we're talking about. The different things that we have to offer are a whole lot different than my generation. I came up here to Austin and, you know, I went back to the Valley because I love the Valley. But there's a whole lot of my friends that didn't and live now in Houston or Dallas or somewhere else. But I invite them to come down because I tell you what, not only all the way from El Paso to Brownsville to Laredo to McAllen, things are different. Things are different. Yeah. We'll have time for two more Thank questions. Go ahead, ma'am. Um, so part of the reason why I migrated to the United States was the constant shootouts that happened between military and uh, drug cartels in Mexico. How do you feel about Mexico's policy of putting the military into the streets and has it affected your towns and how? Okay, I can tell you that it, it hasn't really affected any more so other than it's, it's really very secure. I was in Matamoros not too, about two weeks ago. Um, you know, they have, they have a challenge to try to change what happens. 
you can't anticipate that their local police force is going to be able to survive and take care of their families when you're not paying them adequately. And I think one of those things that are going on right now is you're bringing in secure people who are being paid well, their families are taken care of, they get a chance to have their kids go to school, they have public health pr uh, providers, and so those are the things they need to strive for. But, you know, uh, I'd rather have someone secure and someone that I trust than someone that I don't trust. Anybody else? Uh, let me just add that once upon a time, Mexico didn't have cartel problems, didn't have violence problems. There was a time when Mexican uh, tourists would come flock into Hidalgo County and they would shop readily at, at, at the malls and it was a big part of our industry. So it's a cyclic change and, and we're right now, Mexico's struggling. Uh, I think a lot of us who are Hispanic, we have that sensitivity to wanting Mexico to be successful. I'm very confident they'll work their way through it. And as far as us as border towns, there's next to the border and then there's along the border. All of us come from next to the border pretty much. So I can tell you that if we are safe, and we can say that with confidence, again, I keep on saying the law enforcement, first responders, our fire departments do an incredible job of trying to make sure that if it's about property and def definitely about life, that they keep us as safe as possible. Go ahead. Yeah, but I think we can all learn from it. I think the main thing is what is the root cause? What, what caused all that uh, turmoil there, more so in the uh, Mexican in a border area? And it goes down to in the rule of law, no enforcement, uh, morals, uh, values, family values. Uh, you know, there's a generational. Uh, sometime back, I spoke to a to a general, high, uh, you know, qualified general there in, in, in uh, Dev, and I told him, "What's it going to take? Is it going to take another five or ten years of the so-called militarization there by the border on, on the Mexican side?" Uh, he says, "It may take a generation. Frankly, it may take now. Now that we've seen, you know, the." the horribleness of the situation. Maybe now parents will be more cognizant and be more, more attentive with their kids and, and, and building those values that, that we grew up uh, you know, along the border. Uh, so it's, it's something that we can all learn from uh, and, and we have to be mindful of those things uh, because it, it all boils down to the family unit. Anybody else? Yeah, I think he, um, you were right on, on target when you talked about you know, understand the problem and then have a long-term solution. You know, and it's not what can we do today, because today may be different tomorrow. So to really to have a, a, a understand the problem is really important, and how do we sustain and, and have a long-term solution? So that's very important. Question over here. Yes, hello, my name's Denise. I'm actually from Brownsville, Texas, and I am a student at UTRGV. Um, a lot of this, the border is safe, the border towns are safe, and UTRGV has brought a lot of opportunities for myself and a lot of classmates that I know. It's just a myth, like they mentioned, miscommunication, negativity, and this is just the stigma that the um, RGB and the, and the border towns have, have in general. So having said this, this negativity, how do we bring those high-tech companies to the Girl Grand Valley so we continue to have students stay there and work for the UTRGV, um, seeing that this is a very negative stigma, but in reality, it's not how um, it's portrayed in the Well, one thing is we started as an incubator for, um, for people that are in high-tech areas uh, that want to, a lot of that started, you know, everybody started in garages. More tech companies started in garages than rock bands. And uh, so we're starting an incubator. We give low rent. Uh, we give um, uh, access to computers, access to national markets, and growing our own. I think that's very important and probably a little easier than getting some, you know, Dell's not exactly interested in coming to McAllen, but we can grow our own. And I think that's important. I think there's huge opportunities in that, in the, the tech area for small businesses to uh, succeed. You know, one of the things we've done, and I talked a little bit about the Mayor of Waters and I have traveled together around the country to talk to companies that have already established themselves in El Paso or in Waters, and then we invite them and maybe their suppliers to come to El Paso. We've had uh, what's called a, a fam tour that uh, was developed, and we've had over 90 different um, people come to El Paso, and we show them what El Paso, how we, you know, with our hospitals community, our big partner, which is Fort Bliss, which has 35,000 troops, our, our colleges, so we actually, you know, we can take pictures and, and we can send them videos, but we actually, through the private sector, we actually, it doesn't cost the taxpayers a dime. 100% of this has been funded by the private sector, and the private sector has actually funded 100% of bringing these companies, bringing these individuals to look at El Paso, and once they leave El Paso, they would say that El Paso may not have been on their radar then, 
but El Paso is definitely on the radar based on what they see today and they've been able to see themselves. I invite the UTRGV group to really reach out to that new university, okay? Because I tell you what, what I think everybody here is doing all the way from Rio Grande City, not so much Laredo and, and, and El Paso, but from Rio Grande City to Brownsville, we're really reaching out to UTRGV with a lot of the companies that are coming. They want to meet you guys. They want to be with you guys. And SpaceX is a good, a good example. You know, you've got quite a bit of, of interest in a fellow by the name of Juan Martinez, who is with the astrophysicist group. I think he's already been hired. There's a lot of different areas. And I think what happens is you guys have to start looking at, at, at UTRGV and your counterparts and saying, you know what? You know, it's really here, and, it, and it's our turn. So uh, that's good. Yeah, from our standpoint, the city does have incentives, and we have 1,700 acres that we could actually provide to any one company that's going to provide multiple jobs, uh, good-paying jobs in Laredo. So, you know, we can work with, with all sorts of industries and, and job-creating companies. So, uh, you know, keep that in mind when you're thinking about the border and more so the Laredo area. Maybe, yeah. Invest in education. Invest in not just uh, education for your college, meaning South Texas College also, there's community colleges that offer wonderful opportunities. Find the void in the, job, in the job market and then train yourself for that so you make sure you have a job. There's also vocational trainings that are very important also that can provide wonderful livings, wonderful opportunities. And I'm going to put it back on your court a little bit. Young people got to come out and vote. Old people do too. But what I hear in young people over <laughs> and over is my vote doesn't matter. My vote doesn't matter. Yes, it matters. Ask any one of us up here as elected officials or former elected officials. It matters, and it matters a lot. If you all organize as a group and vote as a group, your voice will be heard, and you will shape the future. You're shaping it already, but you're going to shape the future of government, and that is hugely important. One final question, sir. Yeah, my question is really more for Laredo around the Eagleford and the, and the impact of the production of the Eagleford and, and the, uh, thus far, but then also the prospects to the extent oil prices are still low or, are lower, remain lower. Uh, the prospects of, of the Eagleford? Well, just the. It, yeah, it slowed down that, somewhat, yeah. and frankly, to be honest with you, it did, but we, we are diversified. We're more into the trade, uh, logistics, uh, warehousing. Uh, you know, we're a big trade town. You know, I say town, it's, 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 now it's a <laughs> good sized city now. But, it, but now there's that potential also on the, uh, the Cuenca de Burgos, that's the Burgos Shale Basin there, you know, just a few miles on the south end of the Rio Grande there. Uh, that's, that's opening up, that's developing, and that's going to create all sorts of jobs and activity there by the border area of Texas and the U.S. Uh, and, and who else but us in the border that, that have had experience with oil and gas development and production uh, and that we have the expertise and, and we provide also the staging ground given the, the insecurity still that, that lives in Mexico. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of potential there on the border, but, but, the, uh, but oil and gas, I've, I've been involved in oil and gas uh, transactions uh, you know, for 30 some years. Uh, it's cyclical, it's down now, but it'll come up. Can I say something uh, real quick about oil and gas? Let me give you an important uh, project that happened in, in the Rio Grande Valley, and that's why we're all together in this. There was a pipeline that was created from George West, Texas, all the way near to the Bajillo and near Mexico City that ran through Stark County. Uh, I know you hear about X, the Keystone Pipeline or something <coughs> like that that doesn't, we have a version of that in Texas already. It went straight through Stark County. It's feeding Mexico. We gotta make sure that we support the energy, in, the energy industry and that we don't stifle it, that we encourage it in positive ways while protecting our, our environment. But that's a good example of how international energy can be. There's a pipeline that exists today, and I saw it go in, that goes from George West, Texas. I don't know how many miles it is, but that's a long way, all the way to New Mexico City. So more of that would be a, a big plus for the energy industry. It's now approximately 12.10, and this concludes our panel. As a reminder, the Texas Tribune has arranged a sampling of Austin's premier food trucks to serve lunch under the UT Tower. At this time, would you please uh, join me in thanking the panel gathered here today?